0: This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, how's everybody doing tonight? Y'all doing good? Yes. Hallelujah. How many you are thankful for air conditioning? Man, I'm telling you. We were over at uh, Pastor Monty and Peggy Knutson's uh, church this week for a series of meetings that they were having over there, having a camp meeting, and... Uh, It just so happened that uh, Joan had to make her way back home before I was coming home. So she drove the car, I drove the motorcycle. And uh, I'll tell you what, the last 50 miles, I was really glad to get home because it was getting hot. I tell you, it's like uh, it's about 250 miles over there. I was also telling her when you drive down 34, it's not a question of how many highway patrolmen that you're going to meet. It's not a matter of if you will it's a question of how many will you meet that's what I meant to say so anyway um, we we made it without incident in case you're wondering you know how that where that conversation was going but uh, had a great time Uh, many of you know uh, Marty Blackwelder Uh, he was there kinda kick things off and then the second night they had a man by the name of Mark Barclay who was in the military for many many years matter of fact he was very involved with uh, their sniper school and all of these different kinds of things, and uh, uh, served the military for many, many years, and got saved in Vietnam out in a rainstorm. And it's great, it's a wonderful testimony. And then last night uh, there was a guy by the name of Jack uh, Harris, and Jack is, uh, well he is one unusual dude. But uh, he uh, is a missionary to India, And uh, so uh, it's an amazing thing that God has put together where this man and his wife, uh, uh, Sherry, have, what they do is they go, they uh, dig wells. But they dig the well in the front yard of the church, so it's on the church's property. And so of course you know uh, you can't preach the gospel in India because of uh, the Hindu religion but you sure can give people water, and you can go out and talk to them, and pretty soon they end up getting some living water, hallelujah! And so it's an it's a, uh, unbelievable concept. They've drilled, uh, I think he said 150, actually they're going over to dedicate the 150th well. And um, they can, for $4,800 they can dig the well, and for $30,000 they can uh, uh, build a church and a parsonage that's attached to the church. And then also um, um, they get running water in there, of course, and so they have a bathroom, things of that nature. And then what they do is they also put a uh, uh, a public restroom outside of the church uh, for everyone to be able to use because as these uh, members of their population, they get older, um, you know, it's very difficult for them, you know, I mean, think about it, if you didn't have a stool, you know, how, how, how that all goes down. And so there will be people lined up to be able to use that stool, because they have one like ours. Everybody say, I thank God for my bathroom. <laughs> yeah, amen, you know. And uh, so it's a, it's a remarkable um, uh, concept to uh, reach people with the gospel. And uh, so it's, it's a pretty cool thing. So anyway, uh, we had a great time, and uh, I tell you, we just need to be in church. You know, I um, I know that uh, uh, you know life has its seasons where we're doing this, and that, and the other. You know, but uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews said, "Don't ever forsake the assembling of yourselves together," as the manner of some uh, is, and so much more. As we see the day approaching, it almost seems to indicate we ought to be in church more now than we ever have, and and the reason I say that is is that. It's it's very simple. You can't get what you get in a church. I mean a life-giving church where the presence of God is invited and the Holy Spirit is able to speak to you and the Word of God is being preached. And thank you for more light. That's wonderful. Hallelujah. Whoever's making that happen. Uh, you can't you can't get it anyplace else. You know, thank God for devotion. It's important. You know, we need it, each one of us in our personal or private devotion. But but we need the church, we need the corporate church, we need to be able to gather in His name and allow His presence to come and minister to us, and so um, it's important, hallelujah. So, I'm grateful that you're here tonight, because you had a choice, and uh, well maybe some of you didn't, maybe you were serving in the church and you go, well it's my night to work, I'm here, you know, or whatever. But for the rest of you, God bless you, and, and those of you that are serving, uh, we're delighted in that. So, did you bring a Bible with you this evening? Let's open our Bibles, or if you have a device you can uh, turn with me to the third epistle, or the third letter, of the book of John. Third John, praise God! Hallelujah! Oh, one more thing, when we pray I want to go ahead and pray for the kids. Um, Our youth are at camp this week, and uh, I'm going to guess that it's rather sweltering. And uh, my son, uh, (laughs) he sent me a picture. We have a uh, cargo trailer that we take all the kids bags and all their paraphernalia and whatever we throw it in and then we throw them in a van and away they go and he sent me a picture of the uh, hitch the bumper hitch the receiver hitch and the trailer was just this little tight thing the captioner says here's what happens when you get rear-ended by a malibu chevrolet malibu or something like that and so the the receiver hitch you know, how, how can I explain this? Well, it's flat and then the ball sits on the top of it. Well, that, the ball and the hitch was all bent kind of at a 45 degree angle. So he just told me, well, fortunately, the door on the back still closes. And because uh, we got camp next week and we got all the kids that are going, you know, back up to Dayton and so you got to have this gear. And I don't know any more about the details of it, but uh, uh, Pastor Brian um, had encouraged us uh, last Sunday, you know, that, uh, that we should pray for these kids, and, and gave you an opportunity to maybe pick some of those up, and I hope that you've been doing that. But I just want to pray for them in Mass uh, when we pray tonight. And, uh, you know, there's, there is, uh, without question, there's encounters, supernatural divine encounters that kids have when they go to camp. You know, they may be dealing with some really difficult, uh, uh, tough things at home uh, because of dysfunction, you know, and just, you know, people having a hard time and struggling whatever. and whatever. And God can meet them and can uh, uh, affect their heart, their life, and, and wash away the pain and different things. And not to mention the fact that for many of them, uh, uh, you know, callings so God can speak to their heart. I mean, you, you've heard preachers all over the place. When I was 8 years old I was in this meeting and God spoke to me, or He visited me, you know, supernaturally, or, you know, wherever the case might be. And so, it's, it's precious. I'm just telling you that, that what we do uh, to send these kids to camp, many of you are involved and in, engaged in that. You help us financially, not only with our uh, fundraisers and things that we do for them in order to make it possible, uh, you know, uh, costs keep going up. How many of you notice that? None of you have. Some of you, are, you know, yeah, it keeps going up. So, it costs more money for us to send them there, but we're not going to let money be the thing that, that uh, stifles us sending our kids to camp. Because God's a big God. Amen. And so whatever the economy is He's capable. So anyway, let's go ahead and pray together and uh, then I'll just share some things with you out of my heart and uh, then we'll go home. Hallelujah. Father we love You and, and we're so grateful for the Word. Its entrance into our lives brings light, it brings illumination. And Father God You made it very clear that if we'll walk in the light as You're in the light then we can have fellowship with You. But You also Father God instructed us to make sure that we walk uh, accurately, circumspectly, and uh, not as unwise, but, but wise. Understanding and knowing what Your will is, and not only that, but obeying it and doing it. Not compromising, Father, not, not cutting deals or, or making uh, some kind of a uh, thing with, with the world, but, but coming out from among them and touching, not touching anything that is unclean. So I thank you, Father God, for purifying us, sanctifying us for the blood of Jesus that has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And uh, tonight, Father, we lift up our youth, every one of them that are in these meetings and, and uh, at this camp. And as we bear them before you, Father, I want to thank you uh, for speaking to their hearts for ministering to their minds and to their hearts. I thank you, Lord, for helping them to make powerful decisions that, 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 that set the course for their life for righteousness and godliness. God, I ask you to strengthen them. We pray together, Father, that they may be strengthened with your might by the Spirit of God in their inner man, so that when they go out into life, Father, that they won't be moved, that they'll remain steadfast. They won't compromise. But Father, they will not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but stalwart as believers in you. And I thank You, Father, for every one of them giving You glory, honoring the King, Jesus, with their lives. And I thank You for blessing them and refreshing them. And Father, we pray for the counselors, too, and everybody else, the leadership that's there, that they, too, uh, Father, may be blessed in every way. And so we just thank You for Your goodness and mercy in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Okay, I want to talk to you again tonight about walking in the truth. We, I think I shared a Sunday morning service uh, with regard to this, but I want to kind of go on along a little bit further. And uh, in the book of Proverbs chapter 23 and 23, verse 23, it says, to buy the truth and do not sell it. Now, that's an interesting concept for us to think about just for a moment. Buy or purchase the truth and don't ever sell it." Well, what, if you were going to sell the truth, what would you sell it uh, uh, for, or in exchange for? Well, probably a lie, or something that's not true. And so, so Solomon, the wisest man on all the earth, uh, said, "Buy the truth do not sell it, also wisdom, instruction, and understanding.'" And the reason that this is, uh, I believe, such an important uh, message, especially in the day and age that you and I are living in, is that because so many people are confused about what's true. What is the truth? There are all these narratives, you know, and things that are being uh, propagated, uh, different things. In other words, somebody else is trying to tell you what it is that you're supposed to think, feel, believe, and, and act like. But at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is what Jesus and God the Father said, amen. So he said, buy the truth and don't ever sell it. And so you have people that are looking all over the place, you know, for what, you know, to trying to find the truth. And, uh, you know, people generally, I mean, as far as I know, everybody, you know, desires to be able to have a, a rich and a meaningful life. Aren't you? Don't you all kind of think that's a good idea? Sure. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, a life that has substance to it, that, it, that brings contentment. That that isn't filled with agitation or anxiety, but rather it's it's got peace in it, and and there's joy, hallelujah, you know the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, and the devil is forever attempting to try to steal or take people's joy away in any way he can. He doesn't it, he doesn't care what he uses. He can use money, he can use relationships, he can use health, he can use you know, anything and everything, you know, in order to take it away from you. But I tell you what, praise God, you don't have to let Him take anything from you. When you know the truth, praise God, you've got something to be able to fight with. And so in order to attain those things, a rich and meaningful life, you have to look in the right places. I use the illustration you know with the compass, and many of you are familiar with the magnetic compass, it will always point to the North if it functions, if it works properly. But the reality is is if you want to you can influence that compass with just ever so small of a thing called a magnet. And you can put it near that compass and all of a sudden that compass will turn in a different direction. And you know again if you didn't know the circumstance and you look at it you say well okay that's north. But it isn't. And that's what happens when we get away from the Word of God. Because the Word of God is truth. Jesus made the statement, he said, and when he was praying in the 17th chapter of John, he said, Father, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. That's the way that, that our lives are given shape to in a way that not only is pleasing to God, but brings the peace, the fulfillment, the, the richness of our lives is when we embrace or buy the truth And don't ever let go of it. Can you say amen? So it really becomes important for us to make sure that the Word of God has its proper place within our lives. And really the only true source for the truth is found in the Word of God. Amen. It's the compass. I mean, you know, if you want to figure out, okay, which way are we going, you know, it is the compass that provides the direction. Everything is in reference to it. And, and again, you know, when you do that, then praise God, you're in a, a, a good shape. But a lot of people have, you know, they've, 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 they've departed, I guess you might say, from this foundational fact. I mean, boy, we used to pound it, baby, when it came to, you know, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. You need the Word, you need the Word, you need the Word, hallelujah. And uh, so we are just, you know, digging deep and bringing it, Hallelujah. I Remember this one gal? She had a bumper sticker on her car. It says, "Find buried treasure. Read the Bible." You know, and there's a lot of truth to that. Glory to God. But men are always wanting to change what God has said. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, you know, we want to we want to make give form and shape to it the way we want it. Well, that's not the way it works. You know, God is not conforming to us. We are conforming to Him. Hallelujah, and it's important for us to understand that the Bible talks about when Paul was writing the first, uh, uh, the first chapter of the book of Romans. You can read it at your own leisure sometime, but he he gives a, a discourse about how how we get into the shape that we're in right now, you know, with people you know chasing all these different kinds of things. But he makes a statement. He says that men choose to change the glory of the incorruptible God. God is without corruption, but men try to corrupt it, or corrupt Him, if they can. And, uh, you know, we end up worshiping all kinds of strange things. But then he goes on in this same uh, writing, this is in verse uh, 25 of the first chapter, he says, who changed the truth of God into a lie. They changed the truth of God into a a lie. And they worship and serve the creature rather than the creation, creation which is blessed forever. Hallelujah. And interestingly enough it's, it's, it's couched within the context of homosexuality, lesbianism, all this LBGT, whatever, QRS, TUV uh, kind of thing. And they, ch- they attempt to change the truth of God into a lie. You know? And um, and that's all I got to say about that. So anyway, third John, uh, verse one, uh, was our text that we used. But notice it says to the elders, or the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Now, now doesn't that is that something similar or, or indicative of a rich, meaningful and and and. Uh, blessed kind of life. Beloved, I, I, I pray, I wish, I desire above all things that you would be in health, even as now notice what it says there, uh, um, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's a key. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you even as you walk in the truth. Now, walk in the, in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, often is, is used figuratively. And it's used uh, figuratively in the context to, to mean, you know, to pursue a course of action, to walk, to pursue a course of action, or to have a particular conduct. Well, so when John's writing this, he says, you know, the brethren came and said, man, you're walking in the truth. That is awesome. Then he goes on to say in verse 4, I've got no greater joy. Now, you understand that the Bible is inspired uh, by God, written by Him. So, you could say that even though John's the author, by the Spirit of God, or our Heavenly Father, he says, he's telling you tonight, I have no greater joy than to know you walk in the truth. Hallelujah. It blesses our Heavenly Father to know that that we are walking in the truth. But but I want you to notice something here. I think it's significant, so uh, just sharing it with you. The prosperity of your soul. Notice it says there, even as your soul prospers. The prosperity of your soul is tied to the truth that you know and make an application of. So in other words, you know a lot of us we can, we can know truth, but if we don't apply the truth, it doesn't really matter. This spring, I decided I was going to grow a garden. Joan says, it's your garden, not mine. And uh, that's been especially, I called her, you know, she's back home. I said, baby, I said, is there any chance you go down and check the cucumber? Uh, no, probably not. Uh, they'll be there when you get back. I said, yeah, they will. It wasn't quite that abrupt. It wasn't at all. Let's just put it this way. She really didn't have a big desire to go down and check the cucumber patch. So anyway, but uh, this spring I, you know, growing up as a kid and, and on a farm, um, you know, I had a little bit of background as far as <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of background. Matter of fact, going up and down potato rows and uh, and pulling weeds out of the onions or whatever. So I knew a little bit of something about it and whatever. But now we have a uh, one of our uh, State representative, House representatives, Tom Moore, he is like, I don't know, he takes, he takes gardening to a whole nother level, you know. And uh, so anyway, uh, so I started talking to him because I figured, well, here's a guy, you know, it's been around the bush a little bit. He knows a little bit about gardening and th- so on and so forth. And so, boy, you know, I, I mean, as soon as I even ask him, his eyes and his face and everything just lit up. It's like, oh, man, can I tell you some stuff? you know, and he was telling me all about sweet potatoes. And what he didn't tell me is, is these sweet potatoes grow these vines, and I planted mine in a pretty tight spot. So listen, we got something going on there. But it's, it's okay, we'll, we'll get there. But, uh, so you live and learn. But uh, um, here recently, you know, uh, the tomatoes started coming on and they would have this rot on the bottom of them. How many of you know what, that's, what that is from? Do any of you know? Well, it's because of a lack of calcium. Actually, it's because of a lack of water, because the plant can't uptake the amount of calcium that it needs to get it all the way to the fruit, you know, or to the tomato. And so, it creates this uh, rotten part on the bottom. And it's a bummer, dude. I mean, we're working here, all right? We want to want to harvest, you know? So, what do we need to do? Pour the water to her, you know? And, uh, and so, anyway, uh, I use it as an illustration. Well, not to mention the fact I had to put up a high fence to keep the deer out. I spent so much money, you guys. I mean, you know, you go in there, you know, you buy these seeds, and they're like a buck and a half of what? That's cheap. It's like buying a dog. Buying a dog is the cheap part, did you know that? Huh? It's everything after that. Hallelujah. Well, so anyway, I had to have a high fence keep the deer out, so they didn't eat everything and so on and so forth. So anyway, my point to using that as an illustration is is that, you know, I can know all that. He can tell me, Tom can tell me everything I need to do and this and that. But if I don't do it, if I don't get out there, pull the weeds, if I don't get out there, you know, and put dirt to the potatoes and pull it away from the onions or, you know, different things like that, then I'm not going to get the result that I'm after. And the same thing's true with you and I. I'm telling you you guys, God's Word is true. God doesn't lie. Everything that He says, He stands by. And He says, my Word will stand. Okay? Now, a lot of times when we're going down the road of life, you know, our circumstance and situations don't seem to be lining up with what it is that He said or promised. And so it gives us reason for pause. It gives us an opportunity to say, but wait, you know, why? I mean wait a minute here, you know, this is what you said. Well, the Bible says we also walk by faith, not by sight. And so the reality is, is that sometimes what it is that we're desiring takes a little bit of time for it to manifest in our life. You know, when I planted the seeds and I had my granddaughter out there, man, and we're putting potatoes down the row, you know, and I'm teaching her how to do this. And we're putting onions down and different things like that. We're a long ways off from a harvest. But those are the things that you have to do. Well, Papa, when are we going to go out there you know, and dig some of them potatoes? I want to dig some of them potatoes, Papa. I said, well, you know, we got to give them a little chance here to grow. And boy, finally, you know, the day came and I said, you know, Lily, I said, we're going to go out and we're going to dig some potatoes. Oh, Papa, you know, I mean, she's just excited. How many of you like harvest? Yes, yes. Sure. Absolutely. Well, that's true in our lives, too. So when the Bible tells you and I that we're to love one another as Christ loved the church, husbands love your wives, you know, uh, uh, wives see to it that you uh, respect, if that's the right word, uh, I think it is, your husband sings like, you know, life goes a whole lot better when you do those things. But we do have our flesh, let's not forget it. Okay? And uh, it's, it's pretty formidable at times. Somebody says something you know, a little bit you know, derogatory or whatever, and it rubs us the wrong way. How many of you have ever been rubbed the wrong way? If you've been married, you've been rubbed the wrong way. Okay, sure. You know, but, but you, it, it's in that moment that hopefully you have learned the truth, and you've come to realize, you know, strife in this situation, or any situation for that matter, is never going to do either one of us any good. You know, is it that important for you to have your way? Well, by golly it is. Well, then maybe you got a problem. You know what I'm saying? We have to forbear one another, not that what the Bible says? Am I meddling? I mean, am I, am I getting where I, someplace where you'd rather I didn't go or belong or whatever? But if you want to have a rich and a meaningful life, then you've got to listen to what he said, you know? He said, tell the truth. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. He said, bring your tithe into the storehouse. You know, a lot of folk they have problems with that. They say, well, you know, always remember the devil wants to keep you out of the blessing of God. So, don't, all, you know, don't be so quick to discard or explain away through human reason what the Bible talks about. Because the principle of tithing has been in the Bible from the book of Genesis all the way to the end. When they were in the garden, God said, you know, you can have anything and everything you want, but that tree right there is mine. And don't partake of it. Well, they made the mistake. Why? Because the devil came. How many of you know he has subtlety about him? The Bible says he was more subtle than any of the beasts or uh, uh, things within the garden. And he said, has God really said? So all of a sudden now we're in doubt. Is the Word of God really true? Is that what the pastor said? Well, you think that'll really work? I mean, you know, it, I mean, you know, he talks about you know the Bible being true and God not you know a liar and different things like that. But 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 look at your situation. I, I, I mean, if he's really right, then how come you got this? So all of a sudden, you know, he's he's messing with you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, before it was over with, in that particular experience, you know, she, went, she came back and she said, well, no. He, he said, we can, uh, you know, uh, dress it, keep it, and all of that. We're just not to partake of it, because uh, if we do, we'll die. And he just flat out lied to her. He said, you won't die. God knows that when you partake of this, you'll be like Him. They already were. They already were like God. They were immortal. They, You know, God breathed the breath of life into Adam and he became a living soul. And He took a rib from him and made the woman. They were already like God. But the devil in his subtlety deceived them. Deceived her, and then he come wagging along, you know, and pretty soon he's in the same boat. So, when it comes to our lives, And, you know, that's why, you know, it's so important for us. And and Paul wrote this in Ephesians. He says, see that you walk carefully. King James used the word circumspectly in the old King James. We kind of have a hard time getting our head wrapped around that. But he said, be very careful how you live, another translation says. And don't be unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. But if you get in certain circles or denominational preferences, they say, well, you know, God's sovereign. You don't know anything about God and what He's doing and why He does it or why He does not You know, you're just, you're just here. And a lot of it, you know, they uh, get into all kinds of things about, you know, basically it's it's a fatalistic kind of attitude, fate. You know, you, 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 you don't really have any choice. That's where God's sovereignty has been distorted and and uh, uh, what what other word would I use to, to say that? Uh, perverted. You know? Because what the devil wants to do is he wants to take away your right of choice and your will. You don't really have any say-so in the matter. You know, God's you know way above us, and you know you just got to kind of you know go with the flow here and see whatever happens happens and it's a doctrine of the devil, yes, God is sovereign, but you don't want to go so far as to allow it to be perverted. does that make sense to you? you know there's two different lines of thought you know called Calvinism John calvin was the basically the one thats- identified for this, and he was very much a sovereignty preacher, you know where you really don't have anything to say about anything, you know, because after all, um, God's in control. So you just go down the road, you know. But what's really strange about that is, is that if that's the case, what are we doing out here preaching the gospel? Why are we trying to evangelize? Because after all, God, He knows everything and He, you know, knows the end from the beginning and that's going to be it. So what's the big deal? Why is it that we would listen to Jesus when He said, you know, all the power and authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Now you go in my name and preach the gospel to every creature. So we do have a will. We do have a choice. We do have a say-so in the matter. Are you listening to me? Of whether or not we will be saved or condemned. Are you with me? Yeah. But, but again, the subtleties of Satan will very often do these kinds of things to try to distort and 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 disrupt and and uh and that's why we need the word you know when paul was writing let's go let's look at that why don't you turn over to ephesians I think it's in the fifth chapter this is uh I'm kind of taken off in a different direction here ephesians i think chapter five um Yes, it's in the context of uh, his talking about the function, responsibility of husbands in 25. So Ephesians 5 and 25. Husbands, love your wives. How am I supposed to do that? Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's not a popular uh, line of thought where men are concerned. But if you want the very best of heaven and the richest part of life, then you got to do what He told you to do. Thanks for your enthusiasm. It's true. Love your, your wife as Christ loved the church. Many of you probably, uh, not many, but obviously some of you, you've, uh, you've experienced the, the, the pain of dysfunction. And, and the husband not knowing how to be a husband and same way with wives you know we're not real bright sometimes how many of you know we need help and so uh but here it is this this is the help now we can we can explain it away we can reason it away you know uh especially like for example right now you know there's all well it was it was more so in years gone by and we talked about women's livers, you know, and different things, you know, and their independence. And, and uh, you know, gals are their own person. And, and they have every right to experience dignity as, as a woman and things of that nature. But it's been perverted, you know, exaggerated, excessive, you know. And all of a sudden, th- they want to be in roles that God never created them to be in. And again, I don't want to get down to the weeds with this, but I'm I'm really just talking about how hell will make every effort possible to destroy people's lives by getting them to think along a certain line and drag them out into the middle of nowhere and destroy their life. They end up alone. They end up in lesbian uh, relationships. Uh, They hate men. All of these different kinds of things, you know. Not all men are the same. I don't know if you knew that or not. You know, there are some good men, <clears throat> and there are a bunch of great women. But if you're not careful, you can allow that to to uh, sour you, and then and then you have this this bad taste, you know. Uh, and, and and it's to be regretted. I you know I said that before. You know, many of you or some of you, perhaps, have went through the ravages of divorce. It's, it's terrible. God hates divorce. But you know what? He loves divorced people. So, if you've experienced that in your life, He really loves you. And He wants to redeem, you know, uh, whatever it is that's been lost there. But the only way that that can happen is, is if we really surrender ourselves to Him and say, God, I need you. I need to get fixed you know how many of you know the truth in relationships is usually somewhere in the middle boy this is such a great message you know i can see you guys are so inspired by what it is i'm saying but it's truth it's truth there's going to be there's going to be men and women that 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 live and die and never care for these things or never never some of them they they it's so painful that they won't ever, they, they just, they drive a stake in the ground and say, I'll, I'll never risk loving again. Well, then what? Well, then we just live our lives in some funky kind of whatever, you know, and, and never really experience the things. And so I'll say this to you that are, that are married, cherish what it is that God has entrusted you with, and fight for it, and work hard to keep it because there are a lot of folk that would really like to have what you have. You know, marriage isn't perfect um, in any way, shape, or form, but it can be blessed, and it can be wonderful. And so, you know, you just <clears throat> you be careful, you know, who it is that you're hanging out with because some sour person will come along and say something very derogatory about this, that, or the other and try to draw you away from it. Don't believe them. I said don't believe them a lot of their conversation is nothing more than the instrument of the devil trying to get you to stay where you're at and drive you, uh, corkscrew you into the ground. Are you with me? Hallelujah! I didn't intend saying any of that. But it's a great example when the Bible says to buy the truth and sell it not. You know, sometimes we just need to cry out to God and say, God, I need, I, I, I need to be healed. I, I need to be, f-. And, and nobody can do that but Him. When, when I was a sinner, I didn't even know that I needed, well, I did know that I needed Jesus, but I didn't know what it, it, it the, 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 the effect, you know, how it would impact my life, you know? In other words, I didn't know I was sick, sin sick, until He came and rescued me. And the same thing's true, you know, where our lives are concerned, it's, it's no different, you know? We need salvation, we need deliverance, Uh, where our lives are concerned so that we can be whole and so that we can have joy. Am I in the right house? And so it's so important for us to, and sometimes the truth is just pretty hard uh, to swallow. Truth is truth wherever you find it. But sometimes it's not always uh, something that we want to deal with, but it's important. So let's go back to my point that I made probably 20 minutes ago where I said that the prosperity of your soul is tied to the truth that you know and the application of that truth that you make. So, you know, back to the garden, I'm working away, no thanks to my wife, but I'm, you know, I'm getting everything. I'm just giving you a hard time, honey. But but now we're enjoying the fruit of it. There has to be an application of what you have come to know. And then once you know it, you don't ever want to let go of it. Okay. You keep the devil out of your house. We were in these meetings. And, of course, Monty was, Pastor Monty was taking up offerings. And and um, he made this statement. I mean, I, dude, I've been in church for 45 years. Never heard it before. But. You know, um, <laughs> he just made the statement: uh, "Nothing will grow if you don't sow." Hmm. You know, well, that's a kind of a simple truth, but it's pretty profound. Yes. You got to get some seed and ground. You know, and so uh, uh, he used on another occasion, um, or one evening, he was using the scripture about. I think it was on Sunday because. It was his Sunday morning service with his congregation. He talked about bringing your tithes into the storehouse. You know, that's in the Bible. So that there can be meat or nourishment in the house. You know, I don't know what the kids' tuitions were uh, to go to camp. But us taking them, sending them kids to camp costs a whole lot more than that tuition. I mean, we had three vans. And I don't know my son's truck, another truck. We borrowed another truck. I mean, we got this whole entourage that's going up there. And then we bought a, uh, uh, or Ned didn't buy it, but we rent this uh, LED wall, you know. And uh, we take it up there, and we buy that. It's it's two or three thousand bucks, you know, to rent this thing for a couple weeks. You know, you say, well, that's your problem. You know, you spend all this money on this frivolous stuff. Those kids don't need that. You know what? Listen, dude, I will use anything and spend anything if I can get a child or a young person or whoever to give their heart to Jesus. You tight wad. You know, it's so weak that kind of thinking. You know, the cost doesn't matter. What matters is their life, their soul. So it costs money to do it, you know. And thank God we, we have a wonderful church. Our church, we are sowers. We are givers. We are, you know, it's just like I mentioned to you, you know, um, two weeks ago when we had Matt and Angela here, we gave them 4000 or 5000 I don't even know. Is Gayla in here? She's not in here. I don't even know what the final number was. And then Lindsay and Bertico were here, and um, um, that was kind of an all of a sudden kind of thing for us. And so we just had them. We gave them an honorarium. Why? Because we had money to give them. Are you with me? And not only that, we're supporting them, you know, and, and so on and so forth. But that's the, the kingdom's, it's the function. But hell wants to keep the church broke. You know, but, but, but if we know the truth and we say, well, you bring your tithes and you bring your tithes and you bring your tithes and all the needs that heaven has will be met through you. You know, you're sitting in a million and a half dollar uh, sanctuary. I mean, there's some other support facility. If you had to build it now, I don't even know what it would cost. Might cost six, seven, eight million dollars, you know, and, um, and I'm so thankful that that we had a congregation of people that, you know, roll up their sleeves and said, We're in. And they and we generated six hundred thousand dollars, we borrowed six hundred thousand so dollars, or we had six hundred thousand, well, maybe not quite that much. So a million and a half dollars, you know, to build the building. And we got it done. And you're sitting in the manifestation of people's liberality, generosity, and obedience. And that money that they gave the six hundred was over and above their regular giving. So they showed up big time. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Yes. You know, but again, you know, the church needs to be strong. And, and that's part of it. We need a voice within the world in which we live. And it's become weak and emaciated. And a lot of it just has to do with the way that people think. So thank God we can, we can change that. Amen. We can give them the truth. We can give them the word. Get in. You know, I mean, um, <laughs> I'm running out of time. You know, but but see, see the whole concept, you know, if you, when I say you ought to be a tither, uh, some people, if, if you haven't done that, uh, you wrestle with that idea. And, and that's okay. I don't, I don't know that that's bad. But, but, find out what the Bible has to say about it and and follow that. Are you with me? I mean, we did you know when Joan and I we first got saved, got turned on the word, we started learning you know what the Bible had to say, and give it, it'll be given, good measure, press down, shaken together, you know, and all of these things. I have no greater desire than know you know that you're prospering, and being how all these things, but then they and then all of a sudden you come up against this, but you need to be a tither. <laughs> You know, it's like when, you're, when, you're, when your computer locks up. <laughs> you know, but you just got to push through it and say, okay, Lord, you got to teach. And I remember, you know, again, when we first got married we didn't have hardly anything, we were making any money, but we made a decision that on that small little portion of money that we were making we were going to tithe. Now, it was she, she made money, thank God she made some money in Avon, it was amazing. Oh, we, we prayed for snow in Tulsa because in Tulsa when it snows, people stay home and they need to because they don't know how to drive. The median of the Broken Arrow Expressway would just be littered with cars. And so Joan, on those days, she'd go out. Why? Because everybody's home. Oh, honey, what on God's green earth are you doing out here? She says, I'm selling Avon. And you know, when people get locked into their house, they want to do something. And so it's a real blessing. Amen. Because I only made 406 bucks a month, but we tithe on that. That's $40. How many of you know that it's a lot harder to tithe on $400 that you're trying to make a living on than it is 4000 You know, there's less to go around. But we did it, and I am so glad because He has rebuked the devourer for our sake. And uh, even to this day, we still continue to give generously. <clears throat> because it's righteous, it's good, it's godly, it's wonderful. You know, so you say, well, I'm just not there. Well, okay, that's okay, just get there. Yes. You know, no, there's no, you know, God is not a legalist. And, and He hasn't prescribed these things so that He can make your life a living hell. He's trying to do it so you'll be blessed. Right. Why? Because then He can open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing into your life that you're not able to receive. And and it's just not money. You know, people think about it, you know, so, so institutionally that, oh, you know, you're talking about money, talking about money. It's not just that. He'll rebuke the devourer for your sake where your health is concerned. He'll rebuke the devourer for your sake where your kids are concerned. He'll rebuke the devourer for your sake where your, you know, whatever is concerned. And yes, it does include money. Amen. So, anyway, um, uh, it's important to to really embrace what it is that the Bible has to say so that your life can be blessed. Hallelujah! Well, my time's up, and uh, I hope that this has uh, helped you, blessed you. You say, well I don't think it really has. Well, you you might be blessed more than you know. Because a lot of times if we get things deposited within us it can be a blessing to us. Now some of you I may have really stirred up. I don't know if I like that guy very much. I always tell a story about Keith Moore, you know, Keith, uh, he and his wife, Phyllis, pastor down in Branson. And then they also have a church in Sarasota, Florida. And this guy, after one of his services, and I'll close with this, but he, he comes up to him, you know, in the foyer or someplace like that. He says, I don't like you very much. Well, how do you respond to that, you know? Or how would you like to respond to that? You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, Keith's standing there and he's going, okay, I'm not sure how I'm going to answer or what I should answer to this. And finally, he just says, you don't know me. He said, if you knew me, you'd like me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Walked away. That was the end of it, you know. You know, people they struggle with stuff. Um, And um, but It's just important, praise God, for us to stay where we belong until we find out the truth. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, listen, why don't you stand with me, otherwise I'll just keep going. Hallelujah. Let me read this to you one more time before we pray. He said, I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, even as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth." So the truth is, is, is marked by what you do. You know, I mean, this may seem way too simplistic, but you know, When you kiss your wife or you kiss your husband, you say, honey, I love you. You're just, you're obeying the truth. You're doing what the Bible says, amen? How many of you know that loving people is a whole lot easier than throwing stuff at them? I don't know how come me to get off on stuff like this sometimes. Amen. You know, maybe maybe you've had some struggles in that area, you know, and I just wanna, I wanna encourage you. I wanna uh, uh, admonish you, maybe warn you, I don't know, you know. Don't don't play into the devil's hand. If your spouse wants to fight, you just have to say, you know what, I, I'm sorry you feel the way that you do and I'm sorry that we have to have this disagreement or whatever, but I'm not going to fight with you. It's not, it's not an option. You know, you know how I feel, you know. The Bible says that we in meekness are to instruct those that oppose themselves lest preadventure God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and so that by that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Don't put your foot in the trap is what I'm saying. You know, and sometimes when you do that, they get madder, but you know what, it's okay. Let God be the one that takes care of that and you'll be blessed, amen? Let's love one another, shall we? It's the better way, love is the best way. It's the God way, it's the righteous way, it's the good way. And maybe you have to say, you know, I'm sorry. You know, those are pretty powerful words, especially if you mean it. (laughs) You know, some people, I'm sorry. You know, well, um, you know, if you are, then God bless you. It's important. Let's keep the devil out of our house, our lives, our families let's walk in love you just say devil you shut up we're walking in love this is a house of righteousness and truth and we are not going to allow this in our lives you say can i do that you absolutely can do that jesus has given you the authority as his child to take your place and just say that's it Last night we were in a mess uh, in a service and uh, Jack Harris was preaching. He used a scripture in James where it says, "Count it all joy whenever you fall in, not if you do, when you do." We're going to have trouble, you know, and uh, you're going to have to deal with stuff. You say, "Well, why is God doing this to me?" God ain't doing it to you. Our adversary. As a roaring lion walks about looking for someone that he can devour, you just have to say, "Not here, not in this house, not in this place, not in my life." Well, anyway, he's teaching along this line. He says, "You know, the Bible says that um, counted all joy when you fall into various temptations, tests, and trial. Knowing this, knowing here's something we, we truth that we can know that the trial of your faith works patience." but let patience have its perfect work. Now, this is the point that, that Jack brought out in that, and that is, is that, you know, a lot of times when we think about patience, we think about it in, in the context of, of passivity. Just be patient. Well, you know, Paul, was, he was patient, wouldn't you say? And this guy kept moving forward. And so my point to that, actually, better by definition is, is to let endurance to endure. You know, when you take a stand and you say, "Devil, you're not coming in our house. We're people that love God. We love one another. We're walking in love. And we're going to have God's best." You know, it's it's that kind of patience. That's what he's talking about. Is is that you're 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 not just. Burying up under it, you know, and just trying to do the best you can. No, no, you're standing there and you're saying dude I ain't moving. That's enduring. That's like I'm staying here I'm gonna get the blessing of God and you're gonna leave because you can't stay Like you, you, you get that So you got to be a fighter Okay, you know, thank God for kumbaya and sitting around a campfire and singing songs. That's great. But at the end of the day, man, when the devil shows up, you gotta gotta put on your gloves. Are you with me? Why did he say, fight the good fight of faith? huh? Why did he tell Timothy that you might war a good warfare or fight a good warfare? Because we're in one. But thank God we've already won because of him. Can you say amen? And I'm gonna quit talking. Father, we love you so much. I thank you for these precious people, I thank you for every one of those kids that are at that camp. I thank you, Lord, for blessing them, coming in, going out. I thank you, Father God, for supernaturally meeting them and bringing about great supernatural change and transformation. This week, Father, on Sunday, we're gonna have an opportunity, perhaps, to be able to hear some of their testimonies. And Lord, I just thank you, Father, that when they stand before us and they tell us what Jesus has done, that, Father, we will celebrate it, that we will rejoice in it, And that we will glorify you, Father, because of it. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, as we give tonight, guide us, lead us in our giving. And I just thank you, Father God, that as we give, it will be given to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I just thank you for it. Jesus' name.